Transmitting from the Mojave Wilderness in Joshua Tree, California. Now is the time for Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the desert. Well, night has fallen on the Mojave, and not too long ago I was at the saloon here in Joshua Tree with my friend Jason P. Woodbury, the writer from Arizona. We were talking about the strange old ruins around his rural hometown in Arizona, and then he started talking about La Llorona, the weeping woman, the banshee that walks the riverbank and the lake shores and the irrigation canals, looking for her children, looking for the children that she drowned, the children she murdered in a rage against, against who or what, There are many variations of the story, and if you've lived in the Southwest or in Mexico, you've heard the tales. Maybe you've seen La Llorona. Now, Jason Woodbury is from out by Coolidge in Casa Grande, mostly rural and agricultural areas in the Gila River watershed. There's the San Pedro River, down there as well, and the Santa Cruz River, both of these branching off the Gila River. And an interesting thing is that both the Santa Cruz and the San Pedro have their headwaters in the Sonoran Desert Mountains of Mexico, and the San Rafael Valley and the Patagonia Mountains to the west at the north end of the Mexican state of Sonora, the land of the last Mexican wild wolves. You know, there's a pair of them under protective custody of the Living Desert Zoo down in Indian Wells and Palm Desert. I hope they get to go back home someday. You know, there are only about 400 Mexican wolves left on Earth, and only about 140 of those are in the wild. Now, when I say river and we're talking about the desert, I'm talking about the usual desert river, especially as you leave this blessed valley and the mountains around it. Rivers that are mostly dry most of the time, but that become a raging catastrophe when monsoon rains and thunderstorms and the occasional Pacific winter front dumps upon the desert. Anyway, that river valley is something special. It's a beautiful land along the border, and we should be able to enjoy it like people can enjoy the wild lands where Italy and Switzerland meet, like we can in so much of the Canadian lakes and forests that meet our U.S. border without ugliness, the ugliness not only of concrete walls and mean-spirited police types and drug kingpins and the kind of sinful people who leaves poor farm workers to die in the back of a tractor trailer under that brutal sun. Well, maybe someday, you know, that area, that southeastern corner of Arizona and the northernmost part of Sonora, that was an old Spanish land grant, the San Rafael de la Zanja land grant. We are lucky that it was not in the path of development for most of the time it existed, and so much of it was intact when the Nature Conservancy bought the largest remaining holding, the old Sharp Ranch. 
and they keep it like it was. And then the state of Arizona did the right thing, as they do from time to time, and acquired parts to the south, and that's the San Rafael Natural Area. And it's incredible to see because it doesn't look like the southern Arizona you think you know. It's a grassland, beautiful grassland with cottonwoods and foothills. It never became so degraded like a lot of the grassland that was eventually overgrazed and run down and invaded by too many cactus and invasive weeds and invasive brush. I mean, it's so pretty that Hollywood used this very valley for an imagined and perfect Oklahoma for the movie musical of the same name. Pasture for the cattle, spinach, and termoters. Flowers on the prairie where the June bugs zoom. Plenty of air and plenty of room. Well, an interesting thing about this land grant is that it wasn't owned by the usual one percenters, the political and military and agricultural bosses who wound up with immense Spanish land grants in most of the Southwest. In fact, a group of about 30 families, certainly not destitute, but working ranch families in and around the little town of Santa Cruz, they owned this land grant together as a group, and they did keep it for another half a century after the valley became part of the United States. The Sharp family owned it for a century, from 1900 to 1999. And it was about to go on the open market in 1998 when the Nature Conservancy came up with the cash. The Sharp family wanted to preserve the valley. They knew how special it was, but they could not afford to protect it by themselves. Arizona is full of stories like that, especially the southern part of the state. There are all kinds of incredible nature preserves, some part of federally designated wilderness or national parks, some part of the state park system, some are tribal lands, and some little visited and very nice places are kept forever by environmental groups. And that's a good idea sometimes, times like now. Well, I got to thinking about these desert rivers and the ghosts and the demons that are often seen around such waterways by night, outside of town, out by the cotton and the alfalfa farms along the irrigation canals and the ditches, about how wherever you go in the West, you hear stories. You hear stories about a lady in white or a dark-haired woman in a glowing white gown, the Spanish lady she is sometimes called. And I thought about the irrigation canal in South Phoenix where an uncle I never met tumbled into that water and didn't come out. It was a long-ago day, a long-ago hot day in that sun and dust. The water must have felt fine at first. He was just a little kid, hardly more than a toddler. People drown in irrigation canals all the time, especially children. Children too little to work, playing in the cool water nearby their parents and siblings are out in the fields. Nearby but out of reach. La Llorona takes many of them. 
she is hungry for death, hungry for death, yet miserable because of it. That's the story, anyway. I guess I'm never going to learn to roll my R's correctly. A few years ago, one of the big brewing companies based in Mexico City secretly released a supposed traffic camera video that purportedly showed La Llorona at a crossroads, a busy intersection at night. I think the cars drove right through her and it was a big sensation and then the beer company admitted it was a marketing stunt. Well, anybody who knows about La Llorona knows you aren't going to see her at a busy intersection downtown. She is on the edge, the outskirts. She requires darkness and quiet. Quiet so that you can hear her awful, chilling wails. Oh, it's a dreadful sound carrying across a lonesome night. I don't like it at all. I was camping with a couple of biologists some years back and we heard that awful cry around the spring in the cottonwoods up the hillside from our campsite. And one of these characters says, oh, that's just a mountain lion. And I said, well, if it's just a mountain lion, why don't you walk back up there and take a picture of it? These glowing apparitions are often seen around mines, too. Old mines, closed-down mines, maybe a silver mine that collapsed on a dozen men. Or a coal mine explosion in Utah that took 199 souls in an instant. These apparitions walk the lonesome two-lane highways and back roads at night, and oh, they may well ask you for a ride. They may have some sob story about being left out there by an angry husband, robbed by bandits. And you can talk to her. You can understand her. And afterwards, after whatever breaks a spell and sends you driving away as fast as you can, you may remember that you could not see her face. You may remember that it was there, maybe inches away, but you just cannot remember what it looked like. All you remember is a bright, blank oval where the face should have been. Why don't they have faces? Or why can't we remember their faces? Pretty much every time a desert wanderer or a prophet in the Bible comes into contact with a spirit, an entity of some kind, they can't see the face or they can't recall the details. Oh, it's an awful thing to look somebody in the eye and realize they have no eyes, no nose, no features at all. That's an awful thing to encounter in the night. Or to see looming over you in a darkened room. The memory of the land, of the irrigation and cultivation of the Salt River and Gila River valleys over two millennia. It persists not only in the canals with their ancient pottery shards shoring up the levees, but in the collective memory of today's Arizonans. It is in and around the sprawl of Phoenix that La Llorona takes forms unknown in the rest of the country. It is here that she has made the difficult 
journey from ancient canals to modern plumbing. Within the restrooms of elementary schools in neighborhood parks of Phoenix and Glendale and Tucson, La Llorona haunts the sinks and the bathroom mirrors. Here, instead of the Bloody Mary legend of Catholic schools in other parts of the country, it is the weeping woman who appears in the darkened mirror. Invoke her at your own risk by chanting her cursed name. Try it tonight. This is 107.7 FM Information Radio for the Desert Oracle Preserve. tell you about what you can expect or not expect during your visit to this land of natural and unnatural wonders. Please bring plenty of water and keep your cell phone turned off so that if you need emergency assistance you might have enough battery power to get a 911 call out assuming you can find a place with a cell phone signal, which is unlikely. Do not camp outside of campgrounds. This is not only to protect the desert from internet hobos parked all over, killing all the plants and breaking the desert crust and leaving a lot of toilet paper and the choya, but to protect you. We are obligated to try to protect you from the elements and also from the locals who are decidedly unfriendly about finding a dozen people from Brooklyn having a camp out in the driveway of somebody's cabin on an acre or two. We also hope to protect you from threats that are not scientifically proven, but still seem to do a lot of damage. The Mojave Desert is a land of natural and unnatural wonders. 12,000 years ago, you would not recognize the place. It was then a green and welcoming land of huge inland seas, thick forest on the shorelines, giant sloth wandering around. Well, that time is long past. Now it is hot and dry or cold and dry, and we no longer have giant sloths or dire wolves or other such megafauna. If you encounter what appears to be an enormous animal or creature of some kind, this is most likely one of these supernatural entities long reported around the preserve. These entities rarely harm humans in a way that doctors can help, but they have tortured and mutilated domestic and agricultural animals, mostly open-range cattle, for many years. 
It is the policy of this preserve to prevent cattle mutilations by preventing cattle from wandering our preserve lands. If you find a rare desert stream and notice all the vegetation is crushed and there's a lot of crumbling cow pies floating in the once fresh water, we do have a trained crew of preserve professionals, more or less, who will take care of the cattle in question. And those are also free barbecue nights here at our main campground. Come on by and eat heartily. We might even have beer for the grown-ups. This is Desert Oracle Preserve Informational Radio, 107.7 FM on your radio dial. You will encounter several sections of open cattle range outside the preserve. The best of these with very few wandering cattle and a conservation easement to protect the property for all time. These historic ranches are known for their charming period architecture, particularly the board and batten bunkhouse style of minimalist 20th century leisure equestrian residences. And are also known for documented anomalous phenomena, including red-eyed humanoid entities and seemingly intelligently controlled orbs of swirling light which have been known to chase people down the trail from Shoshone Point and bring Jackass Mesa. After hours, trespassers are subject to arrest, if they're lucky. Visitors are advised to register at the ranger station before embarking upon backcountry trails. Visitors should provide contact information for at least three relatives and a current employer, if you have one, and blood tests may be required for all hike-in campers at Dead Lake and Desert Willow Falls. There is no cell phone service in or around Shovel Valley, Lost Horse Ledge, Pearson's Hole, Lost Hope Canyon, and Quartz Wash. Antelope Flat is strictly off limits 24 hours per day. Antelope Flat tours have been discontinued due to security concerns as of October 12, 2001. It is prohibited to stop your vehicle between Choya Ridge and Quail Station. This road is closed at either end between dusk and dawn 365 days a year. The fringe-toed lizard is an interesting desert friend you may encounter on the dune trails on sunny afternoons. It is a handsome lizard. Do not harass the fringe-toed lizard. We have a wide variety of snakes in the area, many of them venomous, all of them both charming and beautiful. The Mojave rattlesnake, often called the Mojave green, despite a tendency despite to be colors, colors other than green, other than green. Despite a tendency to be colors other than green, is unique in having both a hemotoxin and a neurotoxin in its venom. A very dangerous snake if you are dumb enough to tangle with one. Do not harass snakes or any other wildlife or local resident. Watch where you step and watch where you reach. Most rattlesnake bites are the result of people sticking their hands or other extremities where they're not looking. The rest of the bites are due to drunken men deciding to show off for other drunken men. 
disturbing any wildlife, including these pet vipers, is a crime punishable by one of our rangers chasing you out of the preserve with a stick. Other rattlesnakes in our high desert preserve include the western diamondback and the sidewinder and the speckled rattlesnake, all quite capable of sending you to our questionable local hospital for longer than you can afford to stay. Antivenom runs about $1,500 per vial, and you'll need a half dozen vials, along with the usual emergency room costs and blood work, and all that is if you are lucky enough to avoid permanent nerve damage or organ failure. The cactus wren is a lovely and charming bird with a rich vocabulary and generally amusing personality. They nest in choya that have grown tall enough to be safe from the coyotes and other creatures that enjoy eating fresh eggs. It takes decades for a choya to grow high enough to provide a safe nesting spot for the cactus wren. So please let these cactus grow wherever you see them. This is KZDZ, informational radio for visitors. If you find human remains, whether disturbed by scavengers in a shallow grave or simply dumped on the roadside, do not touch or disturb the human remains. Make note of your location and report the human remains to a ranger. Do not make a video with the human remains. It's in very bad taste, very disrespectful. As the suburbs covered this wild area of the Western Mojave, their monster, Yucca Man, as we call it in Joshua Tree, in Yucca Valley, 29 Palms, seemed to be on a rampage. There were stories going back to the Spanish settlers in the areas around Lake Elizabeth and the foothills just outside. But in the late 60s and early 70s, the reports of the Desert Sasquatch, as the newspapers in Lancaster and Palmdale called it, went off the charts. The monster was seen running in between the divided 14 highway. The monster was seen scratching at the sliding glass doors of new suburban homes built upon the desert. There was a child who was sent out back to tell his father that dinner was ready. The child never returned. Hours later, found shaking only a few feet behind the house. When asked what had happened, said that a large, hairy man had appeared and told him he could not pass. At Edwards itself, the security guards who worked the base, they were called the Desert Rats, they were Air Force police had stories about their encounters with these various creatures on the great dry lake bed runways of Edwards 
that when they met a decade ago for a reunion, the 1970s Desert Rats from Edwards, all anyone wanted to talk about were the monsters. These were the shared experiences more than anything else from all these years of working on this base that these men, they were all men in the Desert Rats, brought back after all these years. These stories did not leave their minds. If you have ever encountered anything beyond the norm, you know it's not something you forget. And you also know if you talk about it in polite company, people will think you're crazy. So you wait for the opportunity, and the opportunity was here. Here's some of the stories I told. There are sensors all around Edwards, the most secret aircraft in the American arsenal. So in their little pickup trucks with the knobby tires, the desert rats would be sent out when the sensors were tripped, when there were reports of something, eyewitness or otherwise. And down at the east end of the lake, they repeatedly encountered something that they called Marvin of the Mojave. This has been Desert Oracle Radio, broadcasting from the Mojave Wilderness and Joshua Tree. Listen on March 17th, that is next Saturday, up in the high desert. We will be part of Curate Joshua Tree's art event at Outpost Projects. That is 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. I will be there with our soundscape wizard, the one who calls himself Red, Blue, Black, Silver, and he's going to have all kinds of strange analog synthesizers and looping devices. And you know I've heard that our old friend Brendan Mays might be in the neighborhood. He may stop by. We're going to be broadcasting from a vintage yellow trailer right there on the property. You can hang around with a cocktail. It should be a fine evening. From Amboy to Zyzex and across the Great Mojave Wilderness, this has been Desert Oracle Radio, broadcasting from KCDZ 107.7 FM in downtown Joshua Tree, Friday nights at 10 p.m. Listen live on your car radio, on your kitchen table radio, and when you're away from the high desert, listen on your digital device with our free podcast of this broadcast available wherever you get your podcasts, your iTunes, your Stitcher, your Google Play, your TuneIn. However you listen, we much appreciate it. Desert Oracle Radio Live is coming back. April 26th, that's a Thursday evening, 6 p.m., Allegedly in the Annenberg Theater at the Palm Springs Art Museum. It will be free museum Thursday night. It's going to be during the Andy Warhol exhibition. I advise you to attend. And if you're looking for a less crowded desert, if you'd like to get out in the wild and not be 
stuck in traffic behind all your neighbors from Venice Beach or wherever, try Mojave National Preserve. Try Mojave Trails National Monument. Just a little further down the road, and boy, it's worth it. Have a good time out there, and good night from the Voice of the Desert.